Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast, a show about people, about process, about technology, about community. It's great conversations with great technologists about things that matter to you, that matter to all of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, visit gcondemand.io for all of the show notes. And with that, let's get started. And welcome, everybody, to the GC On Demand podcast. My name is Eric Wright. You may know me as at Disco Posse on Twitter. I'm Disco Posse here in the Green Circle community. And I'm very, very pleased because we've got an excellent guest with us here today. Uh, for the folks that have already been listening to us, we've, we touch on a lot of interesting subjects. Of course, you can go to gcondemands.io and, and see all the different guests we've had. And one of the things that's a real big focus around it is community. You know, community is a very important part of, of everything that, that I do and, and what a lot of us do as technologists because there's personal capabilities that, that we give to ourselves and that we share with others. With that, I want to welcome our guest today. Uh, you may know him as VCDX133, uh, but more, uh, more importantly, he's Rene Vandenbedem. And uh, Rene, if you want to introduce yourself, tell us where we can find you online and, and we're going to talk a little bit about community. Hey Eric, thanks very much for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, yep, so my name's Renee. I'm VCDX133. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at VCDX133, and my blog is also VCDX133.com. And I've just moved to the US. So I'm joining Roundtower, who's operating out of Cincinnati, Ohio, all up and down the, uh, the east coast of the US. Now it's really neat because, of course, you know, we've we've done events together through the community, uh, and you know uh, what's really been adventurous is that you know, watching this this transition as you've moved from where you were, you know, through Saudi Arabia uh, and and into Cincinnati now, working with Round Tower, which is great for them. Uh, so you know, big congrats to them for for being able to bring you on board. And l let's take a look. How you kind of got started, you know, because one of the things I know is, Renee, is you're very, very focused on giving back with sharing, you know, with your mentoring. And of course, your VCDX 133, that's not all you are. You're, you're much more than that. You've got your NPX, your VCDX, you've got a number of different certifications. Let's start at the very beginning. You know, how did mentoring and, and sharing become part of, of what you do as a, as a technologist? Yeah, interesting story. So if you had have told me two years ago that I'd be where I am now, I wouldn't have believed you. So you're right, it's been uh, quite an interesting journey. Uh, what really kicked it off for me was when I first went for my first VCDX, my first defense, and I failed. This is back in 2013. I had no idea what VCDX was. I didn't know the, the background, what was required. There were no mentors out there. There was no mentoring program. Uh, and I basically did it the hard way. You know, I was going in the wrong direction a lot of the time, and just through making mistakes and learning, I, I worked out what you needed to do to develop yourself uh, to be successful, in particular with VCDX. Uh, and one of the things I promised myself when I achieved it was that I would write a series of blogs and assist people who were interested in achieving VCDX and bettering themselves. Um, to provide the right direction, 
you know, to make sure that people are, are doing the right things. Now, that's not to say that you're there giving them information or gifting them information, but it's basically making sure that they're heading in the right direction. Uh, and everything since 2014 was was around that, and that's one of the reasons why I reached out to you guys at the Virtual Design Master, right? Because Virtual Design Master is the perfect kickstart, I suppose you could say, to 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 move in the direction of becoming an architect. You know, you might be an operator or, a, or an administrator or in some sort of professional services role. You have to get started somehow. You know, and Virtual Design Master is the perfect way of doing that. And and that's really what what I love about you know what I've gone through with some of my personal you know advancements in in my journey in my career is you have to you have to fail for yourself and and sometimes we fail as a group together because we get to watch each other sort of trip over small things and fail is always a tough term you know failure people see it as a huge setback but no it's more like hey you tried something and it didn't quite work and then you learn from that and then you. Let's let's have another go at it. And and what did we learn from that? And that's they always say it's what separates us from the animals. We learn from our mistakes. We aren't that far off because sometimes we don't learn. <laughs> yeah. So Renee, how did you how did you learn to learn from your mistakes? And and what kind of mistakes yeah. did you make in production that like taught you? All right, let's not let's not do that twice. Yeah. No, you're right. Definitely. And I suppose when you talk about failure, failure is probably the wrong term to use because we have. Uh, there's such a negative connotation uh, attached to that. It's really giving yourself a chance to to fail or not pass, a chance to not pass, to learn from that, and then the next time you do it, um, you're more likely to succeed. Um, so I, I look back at uh, my career. I've been doing this for 20 plus years now, uh, and the amount of mistakes that you make. Uh, that's just part of the learning process, you know, in production, in test and development. I look at my first submission for VCDX um, and I learned a lot from that, that I had a design that was unnecessarily complicated. I was adding technology for the sake of technology and the first VCDX defense taught me, okay, you really do need to keep things uh, neat and tidy, as simple as possible, while still meeting complicated business requirements. You know, so you're not adding technology for technology's sake. There has to be a good reason for it, uh, and it's just a long, hard road, and we all have to go through it. There's no, there's no way to to learn this on its own. You have to experience it. You have to go up. You have to go down, and it just makes uh, the victory when you do achieve it, whatever it is, just so much more sweeter. You know, this is how life is supposed to be. You're not supposed to uh, You're not supposed to win at everything. Yeah, there's there's no participation trophy in in architecture. You know, you you yeah. you're going to find things out the difficult way. You know, that's that's and that's normal because otherwise you can never find those limitations if you don't reach for them. And so that's the whole yes. idea is you don't you don't know it's a limit until you pass it <laughs> and it trips, right? Yeah. And if things were too easy, there'd be no point, you know. If we're supposed human beings are built so that we thrive in adversity. That's that's how human beings are built. Um, if you remember the movie The Matrix, there was one scene in there where they were talking about originally The Matrix was um, all unicorns and rainbows, and human beings couldn't handle that. Right? That's just how human beings are built. We need adversity to thrive. We have to work for things. 
to make to succeed and, and things are not meant to be easy so as somebody who's a a student of you know the ppt methodology right people process technology how yes. how important has that been for you you know in, in illustrating to people because we've got incredibly smart technologists and incredibly smart technology but how do you remind people and show them that there's people in process in the middle that really makes that incredible technology tick and without it if we if we ignore the people side of the process then the architecture really doesn't land am i right on that yep. Oh, for sure. I take it back to basics, to the automotive industry. So I'm delivering you uh, the latest Ferrari that you can buy. Uh, I deliver that to you. But the mechanics that you have are used to working on very simple cars, so they can't. they'll break the Ferrari when they're maintaining it. And the Ferrari that I've delivered to you, you are living in the desert. You actually need an off-road vehicle, so that Ferrari is completely and totally useless to you. It's the same for technology. If you don't match the technology or the solution that you're delivering to the customer, to their capabilities and to the processes and the business value that they're trying to obtain, um, it's just an expensive boat anchor. That's why you've delivered. So the latest and greatest is not necessarily the best for a particular customer. Absolutely. And uh, I joke when I give a lot of presentations and, and talk with people about cutting edge technology and you have to continuously remind everybody, including yourself, that, hey, IBM is still selling mainframes. <laughs> and so this, yep. the, the legacy stuff, as we call it, right, is not going away. And, and in fact, in two years, Docker is going to be legacy. You know, all these new, these new exciting things, they aren't necessarily going to replace everything, and they themselves at some point will all be replaced. Yep, true, exactly. No, for sure, 100%. And when you look at and I would have to say that for 100% of the customers that I've dealt with, uh, what is stopping them from adopting new technology is always the people and the processes of that company. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a long roadmap to transform yourself. Uh, obviously, where new technology is gaining foothold is within the west coast of the US, right? That tends to be the early adopter space of the technology field, at least for infrastructure. Uh, and those are companies that tend to be startups and they're very agile and they're willing to, to learn um, and to move as quickly as possible. But the rest of the world, most of them are buying off-the-shelf software from the big the big corporations, Oracle, Microsoft, etc., uh, and they're relying on what uh, those vertical vendors are delivering to them. You know, so containers just don't make sense. Moving to a microservices and cloud-native um, framework. What's the what's the way that you find works for you? Is in Gathering requirements, because it's one of the biggest challenges I think we have as technologists is is actually asking the right questions and, and digging in. You know, obviously, as someone who's defended VCDX, and there's a lot of the business requirements that are wrapped into it. In fact, everything yes. should be wrapped around a business requirement always. How do, you, how do you pick out business requirements where they may not even necessarily know what they are themselves? Yep. So it's like, it's like digging for gold. Um, you don't know when you're going to find it or where you're going to find it. So basically you have to go in and have conversations with everyone, every single stakeholder. So you need to start from the C level 
uh, and work your way down. Uh, and in particular, where a lot of people get caught is they don't have enough conversations about third-party third-party um, integrations, right? So IT service management, change management systems, release management systems. Uh, you really do have to have conversations with everyone. And I'll have to tell you that um, I just went, so just before I left Saudi Telecom, the last company I was working for, we uh, were having, uh, we signed up for Federated Enterprise Hybrid Cloud with EMC. And they really have through experience and lessons learned and making mistakes, really fine-tune the process of collecting requirements and making sure that you deliver a solution uh, via phases over three, four, five, six years so that you always have the strategy, the endpoint, the target state of where you're trying to go to make sure that's captured properly, right, and then have a phased approach to actually de deliver that solution. So it really is about conversations and making sure that you cover everything within the infrastructure blueprint, and I say that with air quotes, uh, yeah. to make sure that you cover everything. Uh, and because if you don't have those conversations, what will happen is you deliver a solution that doesn't actually deliver the business value that's required. And think about how to tell somebody, right? This is the class thing. How do you tell them to think long but execute near term? And that's keeping the vision and separating it from the tactical execution. And that's that strategy versus tactic thing. How do how do you yes. tell a technologist? Hey, look, remember the long-term goal, but we're going to take iterative interim steps. What have you found helps to coach teams through adopting like big architectures and big technology shifts? Yeah, so there's one saying that, that pops into my head, and that was Rome was not built within one day. Um, so when you deliver solutions, obviously you have a priority of, of what? Business, business requirements need to be met. So you rank those based on most important or least important. So you want to make sure that you're delivering in your first phase, right? And a phase tends to be six months to nine months to one year, right? Because obviously we need to deliver business value fairly quickly. You need to make sure that your priority one requirements are being met fairly quickly, yes? And then as you go through your two, three, or four year uh, uh, implementation schedule, you're going to be delivering more business value that has a lower priority in that list. And let's roll back to the very start again, because part of it is you, you obviously as walk into as a consultant, you're going to you know talk with folks, you're going to coach them through it, and and that's what a lot of this is, right? As a consultant, you're not just simply walking in asking a bunch of questions, dropping a document, and then walking away. You're, 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 just, you're delivering a solution as an architecture, but you're also delivering people solutions in there and coaching them through getting on board with it. Yeah, how, yes. how, did, you found, how did you find that in yourself? Like what, what are techniques that you found to help to get people to maybe adopt something that they weren't really ready for or that's so fresh to them that they, they wouldn't know where to start? Yep, so the short answer to that question is evangelizing. So you obviously need, so within that company, they need to have a guy, a chief architect of some sort who's going to own it and evangelize it. If you don't have that, uh, you're likely going to fail. 
because if you're relying on a consulting company to come in and deliver business value and, and do everything and you don't quite understand what's happening, then it, it, that's not good. So you need to own it yourself. So whoever the company is, they need to own it, be driving it and, and pushing it. Uh, the other thing is you need support from the C-level because without C-level support and C-level vision, you're not going to get the budget and the, and the adoption that you require. Uh, after that, then you need to be evangelizing within the company and getting everyone, all of the stakeholders, to take ownership because a lot of them will resist it because they see it as uh, manpower reduction, automation, replacement of their skill set when in fact they need to understand that everyone within the company is going to be doing things smarter rather than doing it the hard way. Right? So everyone will still keep their jobs. You still have growth of the company from an infrastructure perspective. It's just now your people are going to have more time to focus on projects and moving forward and growing the business and growing uh, a technology that meets business requirements rather than um, firefighting yeah, and just trying to keep the lights on. How do, how do we as technologists take some of these early steps, Renee? I'm, I'm always curious, you know, it's like the first job on your resume. You know, how do you get it on your resume to start with? Thinking architecturally, you know, how do we how do we get started and and find that right project to 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 test it out on? You know, obviously we created you know myself, Angelo, uh, Melissa. We we all work on Virtual Design Master, and that was the the impetus behind that was taking folks that maybe wanted to try out VCDX, but they're not quite ready to take a VCDX. You know, so as technologists, how would you tell somebody, here's a place to go and, and try yes. your skills at? So you're, so we all have some sort of job history. You're either working as a developer, an operator, an administrator, some sort of junior architect. And this is where mentoring becomes so important. Um, you're not going to become an enterprise architect on your first hit. It's going to be an evolution. It's going to be growth where over time you're moving towards uh, that objective. So you will have a particular skill. The skill that, so you'll start as a, as a storage guy, a compute guy, a network guy, whatever. So that, that's, that core set of skills that you have, that core silo that you're working in, you're going to be an operator, then probably administrator, and then you look at design. And as an administrator, when you're working on solutions, right, operating them, maintaining them, keeping them running, keeping them running, uh, you're going to experience the, uh, the feedback. You're going to have an opinion on whether that was a good design or a bad design, right, just because you're the one who's operating that solution. And then you're going to start thinking about, okay, if we have this solution that's in production at the moment, um, okay, we need to expand it next year, right? And if you have a network designer or a storage designer or whatever, and he is uh, working on the next evolution of your infrastructure, the next step is for you to be involved with, with that particular project, right? So you're basically going to be a, a junior architect. Uh, and through that experience, you'll start growing growing those skills, you start thinking like an architect. And of course, there's certifications out there like Cisco, they have their um, Cisco certified 
design associate, I think it is, then design professional, and then design expert, and then you can go to Cisco certified architect, right? VMware have similar with the VCP and the VCAPs, right? The design VCAP, and then of course you can go for VCDX. So it's all about evolution. It's about growing that set of skills and, and constantly educating yourself. So really you do have to have a natural hunger for knowledge because when you move to the VCDX level, it's at the enterprise. So the enterprise architect is touching every single silo within the data center. So there you need to broaden that set of skills and become, with air quotes now, the full stack engineer. Uh, and it's basically a five to ten year process on depending how, how quickly and how aggressive you are in, in, in gaining those skills and that knowledge. What are the right places for people to go when maybe they don't have that exposure? Like if you, what are good things that maybe people could read, they could, people they could talk to, say they're working at a small to medium business, but they're thinking bigger, you know, what, how do, how do we get those folks into something where we can say, hey, like here's good resources to go to, to show you how to think outside of the scope of your current, you know, capability, whether, so you've got yes. 25 servers, but you want to think about what if you went to 100, but you you aren't going to have a chance to actually do it in production yet. Where are places we can send people to go for looking for that? Yep. So there's the V community. So if you join up with Twitter, there's a whole ecosystem of, of people out there. Um, books. This year, quite a few books have been released on End user computing design and also Rashid's um, art of infrastructure design. Um, in the network world, there's a few books that have also been released for Cisco certified design expert uh, and also network designs. I think is Russ White. Uh, the great thing about what we do is there the knowledge is there. You don't there's there's no special course that you need to go on or some secret handshake or some money that you need to pay to some organization. The knowledge is all there. Um, all of the big companies have um, best practice design methodologies for their particular ecosystem, right? It's all there. All you need to do is download it and start reading it and consuming it. Um, where mentoring becomes important is making sure people are heading in the right direction, right? Because what's out there at the moment is a bunch of data. You need to convert the data to, to information, from information into knowledge, knowledge into wisdom, right? This is where mentoring is so important. And there's loads of mentors out there, uh, particularly for VMware with VCDX, also for the Nutanix platform expert, there's a bunch of, bunch of uh, mentors out there. Um, it's just about consuming information, consuming data, and, and transforming that into um, a methodology and a framework in your brain that you use for making design decisions and, uh, and going through the process of design. And one last thing I wanted to touch on around design architecture is you know, being right, being wrong. They're such, we treat them as black and white, but what's when we know that's it's it's very gray <laughs> and what's important Agreed. is opinion and sometimes we we have trouble but you have to really put an opinion in your architecture am, am i right in that and it's there's nothing wrong with it like you when you lean towards a, a technology or a method by which you solve a, a business problem 
it's there there has to be opinion we cannot be afraid to say look this is the way i think it's got to go and it may not work for everybody but it's going to work in this situation how how important is the strength of that opinion and and when does it become too strong perhaps renee Ah, uh, you're right. Uh, there's architecture design. There's a lot of grey areas, and what some other guy may be doing, I may not agree with, but you have to respect it if they've got the the background and experience. And I suppose the important thing is delivering solutions that meet the requirements of the customer, and the, that's the grey area. Customers have loads of different requirements. Customers are snowflakes. They're not all the same. They're all different. So design, a design for customer A that I've done may not be the same as a design that you've done for customer B. Well, definitely they won't be the same. They'll be completely different. And you just have to respect um, the skills and the, the work that goes into building a good design and then delivering that as well. Because you have to remember with architecture design, getting the design onto paper, that's the first step. Then you need to implement and it tested. You need the operating procedures that go with it. And you've got a, a life cycle uh, to meet the target architecture and how ma however many phases that you're doing it. Um, so it's definitely a big gray area. Yes. And how much of the past matters into the future? Uh, when you walk in and you're asking about business requirements, how much, how far back do you kind of go with where they've how they got to this area in their journey with technology before you make decisions and opinions on, on how to go forward. Does, does that really factor in or do you simply say, do you treat everything as fresh slate, even though it's you know not greenfield? Is, is it, do we say it's a zero starting point or how, much, how far back do you have to go to think about architecting the next step? Yeah, brownfield designs are probably 99% of what you're going to do. So it is very important to understand the history of why that company has evolved, why they, why they have, and how they have. Uh, there's obviously going to be some percentage of error and some number of mistakes in their current production infrastructure, and it's important to understand it because part of your job as an architect is to try and help them. Um, untangle the bad decisions that they've made. And to understand those bad decisions, you need to understand why why they did it, why it happened that way. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of fact finding, and that's why it's so important. We touched on this earlier. You need to talk to everyone. You really do. You need to spend two, three, four weeks, depending on the size of the enterprise, whether it's tens of thousands of people or just a thousand people, to understand why they've done what they've done, where they're heading, why they think they need to head in that direction at the moment, right? Because you need to validate everything and try and give them a reset. Um, and if you have an environment that is particularly bad, uh, Sometimes it makes sense to build a small greenfield infrastructure and then start migrating across to it, right? Rather than expanding their current brownfield infrastructure, um, all of these things need to be weighed. There's pros and cons to everything. Um, particularly if you're bringing new technology into a, a company, there's the whole people side of the equation that you need to address, right? And this is where you need some sort of training program to revamp their skills. You need to make sure that their operational procedures can be updated with the new way of doing things. Uh, it's also probably worth having a resident engineer from a, 
whatever company that you're trying to introduce for one or two years to help with the knowledge transfer. Uh, the different levels of vendor support are also very important. Um, so maybe going for the platinum level of support for the for the first two years so that, that when they do have problems they get addressed very quickly. Uh, also maybe signing up for the TAM program for a particular company is also worth doing as well just to help with spreading knowledge and making sure they get the most value out of their investment. Um, so many things that you need to touch on that you need to cover. So it's not an easy process. No, and and that's why it is a, a unique skill that that you and, and and others have to be able to think at that level and execute at that level. And 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 I'm lucky as somebody who's kind of you know by proxy has gained a lot of information and and knowledge from watching you mentor other folks and and be a part of communities with you. It's it's important, you know, and I love sandboxing is a huge thing, right? We we do it ourselves as technologists. We want to dabble with something new. We create small sandbox environments. If you don't have it, there's folks out there that probably have an area that they want to share with you. And that's that's also an important thing. You know, we have opportunities to use systems like Revelo so we can run nested lab environments. You can spin up a lot of stuff on AWS that's, you know, low cost. It's not necessarily zero cost, but it's low uh, VMware vExpert program gives us chances to get licenses. Uh, it's you know, Cisco has their Cisco champions, and they're always happy to open the doors for conversations. And as technologists, I think all of us need to to just look around because it's there. It's there to be had, and and I think it's important. So Renee, before before we close out, we are we run to the time. Of course, you know, I'll, I'll shamelessly plug you know Virtual Design Master. We talked about it. of course for folks that want to learn more about that. It's virtualdesignmaster.io. We're entering now our fourth season, about to close the doors on entry, and it's it's looking exciting. Uh, but what does Virtual Design Master mean to you as somebody who's sponsored it and who's offered mentoring and and who's now you're going to be a judge with us in, in season four? What what does it mean to you to be a part of that and, and help to grow that community? Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to judging season season four. That's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it now that I'm in the same time zone as you. Um, <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? If you have zero architecture experience, zero design experience, Virtual Design Master gives you the chance to dip your toe in the water and to see what's required while having a lot of fun with it. And also, if you've not been involved in the V community before, this gives you a chance to hook up and, and connect in. Like it's, it's the perfect way to launch yourself, the first step to becoming an enterprise architect. It really is. Um, just on that, so I think it was season two. So you had Byron Shower, who, became, who I think yep. became runner-up in season two. I'm just joining him at Round Tower now, right? So he's well on his way to becoming an enterprise architect, right? So for a guy like Byron, who started in Virtual Design Master Season 2, um, you can see how far he's come since that time. Another guy is is Damon Bayer. Yes. based out of Canada. Same thing as well. You know, he's getting ready to defend his NPSX, which is the sales version of NPX in, in June, I believe. And also he wants to do his NPX and VCDX, right? So they're two guys that you can look at who have used the Virtual Design Master as a launch pad. So if you want to 
go in that direction and become an enterprise architect, Virtual Design Master is the perfect way to do it. So don't be shy. Everyone's there to help. There's no failure. It's all just about growth, making mistakes and learning from them. And we all have to do that. You don't have a choice. And we've grown as a fun community as well, and, and we've got a lot of them that contribute back in so many great ways as judges, and, and they help to sponsor, as you've done, and, and Akmal as well. So our, our classic VCDX001, as we as we gave him the moniker, right, is is he now works as a cloud solutions architect with with EMC, uh, which is very, very cool, you know, and, yeah, and he actually said, cool. he said that it actually came up in his interview around virtual design master so it, we were we were blown away by by the idea of that but it's again for us it's about creating a community in which people can come into with no work no no background you just come in kick the tires on it come and hang out you know lurk watch it enjoy it and then if you want to join in even better if you want to contribute you know absolutely do it however you can uh, and you know, I definitely yeah. want to thank you, Renee, for for everything you've done for that community and and for the the broader V community, the NPX community, the everyone community. You're you're a huge contributor, and and I have a, an incredible respect for for what you've done and and continue to do in in our communities. Yeah, thanks for that, and also likewise to to you and Angelo and uh, and Melissa. Same thing, you know. Kudos, hats off, because what you guys do takes a lot of effort. And the respect. The last thing I always like to close with is, you know, what's the what's the thing that someone needs to read? If you were to tell someone you're ready for your next part of the journey, go buy this book. What's what's on Renee's bookshelf right now that that you think is going to be the one that can help to to really open someone's mind as to maybe getting into architecture, or getting into to enterprise thinking. What what's a good what's a good novel oh, to read it? That, that that's an easy one. So John Arashid, um, Chris McCain, and Mark Gabrielsk. Gabrielski. They just released the Art of Infrastructure Design book. So that's just come out. I think you can get it on um, lulu.com and also amazon.com. Uh, I was one of the reviewers of that book as well. Uh, it was a long time in the making. So that there is the perfect uh, kickstart to see what uh, VCDX level enterprise architecture design looks like. They've got an end user computing design in there, a sample design, and also a data center virtualization design, so based on vSphere, plus all of the methodology and um, the, uh, the process that goes around that, so that's a perfect start. Nice. Well, that's that's great, and and of course, you know, I, I'll I'll plug on your behalf for folks that want to get started with their journey of learning about architecture. You know, BCDX one thirty three, it, it's like the de facto standard for places to go. You're a great contributor and a great writer, and there's there's tons of excellent articles, and and you're you'll see it uh, throughout any other Google searches you do. Uh, so that's that's a great resource for folks. Uh, but in general, Renee, what's the best uh, way for folks to get a hold of you if they want to, to connect with you online or, or through other means? Uh, yeah, that's easy. So on Twitter, it's at VCDX133, and my blog is just one uh, is VCDX133.com. Um, pretty easy to get in touch with. Excellent. Well, for folks who want to continue to hear this and, and much more uh, like this, of course, you can go to uh, gcondemands.io. That's going to have a link to all of our show notes. You can continue the conversation in the Green Circle community, which is where we actually host the show notes and, and lots of chats around that. We'll have uh, 
a lot of our guests and contributors also you know, drive great conversations in there. And we're going to have a lot of really interesting stuff coming up over the next couple of months, which is very, very cool. So the Green Circle community is continuing to grow, and, and I'm very proud of that. So again, thank you very much, Renee, and thank you to all the folks for listening. And we're looking forward to hearing much, much more about you, about Virtual Design Master, about you know architecture in general, and, and let's all grow together. Thank you very much. If you like what you heard here and want to hear much more, don't forget to subscribe to the GC On Demand podcast. You can go to gcondemand.io where you'll find the links in order to catch us in iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and more. So go to gcondemand.io. Don't forget to rate us in your podcaster of choice and look for much, much more. Have a show idea? Tweet us at GC On Demand. Thanks for listening.